Dear Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for, uh, Lord, I thank you for all that you have done for us. God, I thank you for this time you've given us, God, that we have together. And, uh, and I pray in these next few moments that uh, we can uh, just focus on you, Lord, that we can hear from you, God, that we can know the things it is that you have to say to us, God. Lord, we have worshipped you through song, God, and now we turn to worship you through your word, God. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your, your name. Amen. So, uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. I want to tell you, I'm glad to be here this morning. I love this church, and I love being here. Uh, we're here this morning kind of on a new adventure for us. We're embarking on a new chapter in the history of uh, First Baptist Warner. Um, uh, some of you, this might be your first time here this morning, and uh, and we're glad you're here this morning, and um, uh, we're eager to hear what God has to say to us. Now, you know, the last time I preached, I preached about faith and overcoming trials and temptations and uh, having faith through the hard times, and then uh, the next week, uh, our pastor resigned. Apparently, I'm some sort of a prophet. I don't know. So this morning, we're talking about the lottery and uh, winning that. No, no. So it took some of you a minute to get that, but you got it. That's good. Some of you have been here uh, 40 years. Some of you have been here three months. Some of you, this is your first time here. Truth be told, it doesn't really matter. We're all here together as a family. Uh, we're here, we share hearts and minds together. We worship together, we walk together as we journey towards Christ together. It's important that we stay as a family together, that we keep moving forward, that we leave no one behind, that we pick a few up along the way. And in light of the position that we as, our, as a church find ourselves in, I want us to look uh, back at the beginning. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, this is a story that all of us probably know. It's one that uh, we've heard thousands of times, Adam and Eve and the serpent, there's sin, there's uh, temptation, there's the fall, there's punishment. There's This is def definitely one of the stories that we know. When I close my eyes, the thing that pops up in my mind is Adam and Eve on the little uh, green felt board like they used to use at VBS. Um, Eve, is, uh, the, Eve is holding an apple. I don't know why it's an apple. There's no real reason for that. It was just the first fruit alphabetically, I guess. But the apricot really missed out. But... But this is a story that we've heard a lot. And as we've heard these stories a lot, we have a tendency to tune out and think we know what's coming. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to f focus and listen, listen in. So the story is God has created the world. He rested on the seventh day. He created light and water and land and birds and fishes and animals. And he said, it is good. And he rested. And uh, he created Adam and he created Eve. And he saw that it was good. And then we come to chapter 3. Now, if the Bible were a movie, this is where the ominous music would start pl playing. As we come into chapter 3, 
and the temptation starts to come and all these things. So let's start reading in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You will not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So let's stop here and talk some. It says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. He came up and spoke unto the woman, and she answered him. Here's the thing. Satan comes in ways that we're familiar with. He comes in ways that, that, are, are, that we know. And as we journey forward, forward as a church, and as we walk forward as individuals and as a church collectively, we're going to face temptation. We're going to face distractions we're going to face the things that there that are there for the purpose of getting us specifically off track and i think the scripture makes it clear that they will come in ways and in manners that we are comfortable with they will come in ways and manners that will catch us off guard and things that are familiar to us now lots of us probably never think we never have to walk around saying to ourselves okay you can't murder anyone today. You can't murder anyone today. You can't murder anyone today. Right? But that's one of the Ten Commandments. But if that thought entered into our mind, it's foreign to us. It's not something we're familiar with. We don't walk around saying that. We never think, why don't I go murder somebody? Why not, we do think, why not sleep in and just miss my time with God this morning? It's familiar. It's the routine. If that thought, why don't I go murdered or somebody came into our mind, that would def definitely be from out of the blue. When you're at superfoods, you never think, you know what, why don't I just pick this ham up and walk out with it? You know? That, usually, it shouldn't enter your mind. <laughs> if it does, you can come talk to me. But, uh, what d does it in our mind is, you know, why don't we just share that piece of news that we heard from our neighbor with somebody else from so-and-so. I'm just trying to keep people informed. I'm just trying to keep people to know because these are things that they should know. How do we know this? How do we know that temptation comes in ways that is familiar to us? Look at this. It says in verse 1, it says, Indeed, the serpent says to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You will not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman answered him. Here's the thing. She's talking to a snake. She's talking to a snake. I thought this as a kid, and I wonder this still. You know, obviously, if a snake came up and started talking to me, I would be a little bit worried. <laughs> I would be on guard. I would be surprised. I would def definitely be watching out. But... Eve was not. The snake came up and started talking to her. 
And she didn't think anything of it. She just answered him back. If a snake said, did God say this? The first thing I would say is, why are you talking? <laughs> but she answered him. Now, Eve was not surprised by this. Temptation comes in ways that we're familiar with. You follow me, you see what I'm saying. It comes in things that we're not, we're not on the lookout for. It comes in ways that we can creep in and get us. Now, I don't know exactly what went on in the Garden of Eden every day. That's not for us to know. But the point is here that she obviously didn't think much of that. Subtle. That's how temptation comes in. That's how, that's how stuff comes. Sometimes temptation is a big, giant neon light that says temptation. And you know, and you can see it, and you can steer away from it. But the majority of the time, it's subtle. It's simple. It's uh, sneaky. And that's how we fall into temptation. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about the subtle temptations that will come to us as a church. But for now, let's keep reading again. Pick back up in verse 4. It says, The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, showing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from, from its fruit and ate it. And she gave her husband with her, and he ate. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loin coverings. So we get into the parts of the story that we know, the temptation comes, she gives into it, she sins, she eats, and their eyes were opened, and they saw their nakedness for the first time. They sewed fig leaves together, and then in verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So God, come, God came down in the garden to walk in the cool of the day, and they hid from him when they heard him. This is something they had never done before. God would come down and walk with them. Here are Adam and Eve, and they've walked with God in the garden. It's not a song day by day or in the garden or something like that. There's no wondering. There's no speculation. They saw God in all His majesty and glory and He came and walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. They knew that He was the one that created it all. He told them so. They knew that. They didn't wonder. They didn't speculate about any of the things. They had a good deal going here and they messed it all up. They had a good deal going here and they sinned and they messed it all up. If we keep reading, we know how the story goes. In verses 14 through 15, God uh, curses Satan. He curses the serpent. He says he'll have to crawl on the ground, and there'll be enmity between the man and the serpent. He curses Adam and Eve for the sin that they committed in 16 through 19, and he made coats of skins, uh, sheep or something like that, to cover them. And then God kicks them from the garden. Now, here's the thing. There's so much truth and power in this story that applies to, to us on our everyday lives. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years or if you've been a Christian for two weeks. This 
is the Bible. This story about sin that had happened thousands of years ago still has great meaning and power to our life today. So the first thing, what we already talked about, is that temptation will be subtle. It comes in creeping. Now, in the New Testament, you might be thinking it says that your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. There's nothing really subtle about a lion. He's there, and he's roaring, and uh, you know he's there, and he lets you know it. Uh, Here's the thing about a lion. Here's the thing about sin. When you sin, you know it's sin. Even, even though the temptation comes creeping in subtly, you make a choice to commit that sin, and you know that it is. You know it's sin. Sometimes the temptation creeps in. It comes in ways that we're familiar with. It comes in ways that we allow it into our lives. But we know it's sin. We consciously make the choice to sin, just like Eve did here in Adam in the garden. And there will be a temptation for us as a church as we move forward to lean on our own understanding, to think that we know best, right? Eve turned around to the serpent and repeated God's word to to him. She repeated the very words from God, and then she turned around and sinned anyways. And then she turned around and sinned anyways. We're all sinners. We're born with a proclivity towards sin. We're born with a temptation towards that. You know, if you don't believe in this, that we're all sinners, you know, you can spend some time around Hannah. She's, uh, she's 16 months old, you know, and there's some grandparents here who might disagree with me, but <laughs> she can do wrong, I promise you. Nobody taught her to say no. Nobody taught her to be selfish. Nobody taught her to, be, uh, to rebel when you say something, but it's in us all as people. It's in us as human beings, that we're sinners. And for us as a church in transition, the temptation will be subtle. For us to lean back on our own way of doing doing things, to lean back on our own wisdom, on our own trust, to think, I've got ideas, and I've got plans, I've been through this before, I've got wisdom, and I know these things. Uh, But we can't. We must rely on God alone. We turn to God and say, God, I think my plan is the best, God. I've been thinking about this, and I've worked out a plan. I've got it worked out. Now all you got to do is make it happen, right? We, we say that to God a lot. I've said that to God multiple times in my life. And what does God say back to us? He says, trust me. I've got a plan for you to help you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Look at him here. When the temptation came, what did he do? He gave in. You know why? Because it's a lot easier to give in to temptation. It's a lot easier to give in to temptation than to stand for what's right. And for us as a church, as we journey forward, the temptation will come, and it will be subtle, and it will be ways that we're familiar with. It will be easy for us to fall back on our own understanding on our own wisdom, on our own way of doing things, but we have to make a choice consciously to say we're going to follow God and we're going to trust Him alone and we're going to follow Him no matter what. We have to guard our our hearts against gossip and against trickery and against the idea that we know best. We have to be on the lookout for the temptation. Something else this teaches us is that sin is never 
solitary. Sin is never solitary. If uh, Now you might think, well, there are sins that happen in solitary, but I promise you, the sin of one person in this congregation will affect all, all of us. The sin of one person, the, uh, the failure to look out for temptation, the, the temptation to fall back on our old way of doing things, and will affect all of us. If one person is affected by it, it spreads out through all of us. And so we all have to be on the lookout. We know that it is sin. We know that it is coming, and we know we have to be on the lookout for it. The sin of one person will affect all of us. In Romans 5, it says, Just as through the sin of one, through the sin of one person sin entered the world, that being Adam and Eve, through the sin of one person entered the world, so by the death of one, many are made more righteous. That's talking about Jesus. Sin through these people, through, through Eve and Adam, sin entered into the world through all of us. And sin can enter into our church and it can infect us and it can harm us and hurt us if we're not careful and if we don't watch out and if we're not on the lookout for sin. So something else I thought as I looked through this and as I began to think about what God was teach, teaching us was the verse that stuck out to me was verse 7. Let's look back, get it again. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loin coverings. So here sit Adam and Eve at this great juncture in their lives. I think you could definitely say that this is the most important moment in the history of the world so far in the few days that it has been around. They know they have sinned. Temptation crept in subtly, and they weren't ready for it, and they, they gave in. And now God has come. This is God in the flesh, not some fog, not some spirit, not some shadow or a voice from above. This is God coming down from heaven to walk with them in the garden. And God came down to them, and they have sinned, and so what do they do? You know what they do? Fig leaves. They get together fig leaves. I have a fig tree in my yard, so, so I pull these from there. It's not a magic trick. But uh, fig leaves. They think, I've sinned against God. He created all of this. I've sinned, and I know I've sinned, and I know I'm naked, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sew some fig leaves together. I was going to I asked Sarah to sew these together, but I, 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 I don't know how I had many did that. But they, now God has come. God is this creator and the maker of all these things. And they've seen him do all these things. They have seen him come and walk down with them in the garden. And they know they have sinned. They know that God gave them specific directions. And they know that, that God has come down in the garden. They know that they have sinned. And they thought that fig leaves would help hide their shame. Fig leaves. Seriously? Adam and Eve, seriously, fig leaves. Now, we laugh at them, right? We laugh at them, and we think how, how foolish they, that they are, but I got to tell you, isn't this what they do? Isn't this what we do? 
Isn't this what we, we do when things are going right? We plan and we scheme and we concoct ideas to get it ahead. We have a plan for our life. If only God would listen. We think we know what is best for ourselves. We think uh, we know what is best for the church, that the church should do what we think. We think that such and such a person is having a problem. Well, if they would only listen to my advice, and their life would be a whole lot easier, you know? You know, God, I've been thinking about this, and I've put this plan together, God, and uh, I'm coming, and I'm bringing it to you, God, so here you go. I know you're the creator of the universe, and I know you knitted me together in my mother's womb, and you formed me in the dark places, and you created the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and you created music and you hung the stars in the sky but I've got this plan God trust me it'll work out God I just need you to I put a lot of thought in this God and I just need you to put this together this is what it looks like when we offer our plans to God we sin and we lie to cover it up like Adam and Eve did they tried to cover themselves up and they pile fig leaf upon fig leaf upon fig leaves and, and they turn to God and say, Lord God, I'm good. I know I've sinned, but I put some fig leaves on. Oh God, I know, uh, I know I'm supposed to trust you, but I've been thinking about my life and I've got a plan. And we pile fig leaf upon fig leaf upon fig leaf and you know what you got? A big pile of fig leaves. <laughs> a brush pile. Something that is easy to burn. That is not nothing. This is our futility. When we're left to fend for ourselves, we're helpless. We can do nothing. Our plans, our committees, our visions, all of these things that we rely on, all of these things that we hope can get us through are nothing. They're useless. They're offering fig leaves to, to God, the creator of the universe. Now, fortunately, as we talked about, this is not where the chapter ends. So let's keep reading on. In verse 16, it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you will bring forth children, and your desire, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will, will rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you ate from the tree which I commanded you not to, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles that will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and in dust you shall return. He curses Satan. He curses man and woman for the sin that they have committed when you make bad choices you got to pay the consequences and if we as individuals and we as a church make the wrong choices if we make bad choices if we make the choices that we think are best not the choices that God wants for us we will have to pay the consequences the farther away we get from God the greater the consequences will be and then look in verse 21. It says, And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. God took care of them, even in their sin, even in the time when they didn't deserve it. He had mercy on them. 
even when the time when they had the one rule, they only had one rule. They didn't have Ten Commandments. They didn't have all of these things. They didn't have speed laws. They didn't have all of these sorts of things that we have to try and obey today. They had one rule, and they still broke it. If anybody did not deserve mercy, it was Adam and Eve. But God gave it to them. He made coverings for, for them. He had mercy on them, even when they didn't deserve it. Now, God had a plan here. He didn't make a covering just because fig leaves are uncomfortable. In the New Testament, it says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no covering of sins. God has to be the one who covers us. He has to be the one who saves us. God's plan was to have a system in place to save us from ourselves. Elton Trueblood is a, a Quaker and a theologian. He said, before the foundations of the world, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit got together and said, if we act in creation, then there will come a time when we have to act in redemption. Before the beginning of the world, before any of this, in chapters 1 and 2, they got together and Jesus said, you know what? I'll do it. I will die for, for them. I will go down and I will walk on earth and, and I will spend my life there and I will give my life for people who do not care and I will climb on a cross and I will die for, for them. For the foundation of the world, God has this plan in order. God knew that the serpent would come. God knew that Adam and Eve would sew fig leaves together. He knew that they would hide. He knew the temptation would come. God knew that this church would be... Founded. He knows the hairs on your head. God knew that our pastor would leave. God knew that, that you would be here at this time. God has you here specifically at this time in this place for a reason. Because this community need, needs you. And this church needs need you. I need, need you. We need to stick together and to be the church that God has called us to be. It's God's plan. We have to trust him. Before the beginning of the world, God had this plan. He set in motion and he killed an animal and he shed the blood and he made the skins for them to cover them up and he forgave their sins. And ultimately, in the New Testament, he sent his son Jesus and he killed him and he shed his blood so it would cover us. Our plans are futile. I, I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you're a committee chairperson. I don't care if you're an associate pastor. Or if you're uh, Billy Graham. I don't care who you are. The plans that we come with and that we come up with by ourselves are worthless. It's fig leaves, offering fig leaves to God, thinking that we know the best. We have to follow God. We must follow God no matter what. Don't come to God and offer him your fig leaves. Offer him yourself. Say, God, I'll give you everything I got. It's not much. It's just me, but God, I pray that you would have mercy on me. You might be here this morning, and you might want to follow God for the first time. You know you can't offer him fig leaves, that's all we have to offer, but come and ask him to cover you. Paul will sing a song, we'll have a time of invitation like, like we do, and if you want to come forward and pray, 
through that. If you're here this morning, and if you want to follow God, not man, and not woman, and not worldly wisdom, we have to listen to God. We have to admit that we need Him. We have to admit our failures. Like Adam and Eve, they hid from Him, but they called out to Him. And He took care of them. He covered Him. We've got to be on the lookout for temptation as it comes. We've got to know that we have to come to God and offer Him all that we have and ask Him to cover us because His is the only covering that matters. I'm, I'm going to pray and Paul's going to come and sing my song and then if you want to come forward and pray down here, you do that. Dear Father, God, I thank you uh, for this day, God. I thank you for what you have done for us, God. God, cover us. God, cover us, God, as a church. Lord, and as uh, your people, God, we just come to you, God, and that's all I can say to you, God. Just cover me, Lord. Be a shelter for me in the storm, God. Just come for us, God, and, and be to us what we need you to be, God. Lord, I pray that you would take these few simple words and use them to move on the hearts of people. It's in your name we pray. Amen.